It's good to be here. Who's glad to be here? I'm glad to be here. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. These guys are doing a magnificent job. There's lots of new things happening all the time, and we keep throwing more new things at our team, and they're doing a wonderful job at adapting to that. And, uh, you know, sometimes along the way, things get tricky, but we just keep plugging on, don't we? And I got a word for you this morning. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> what a wonderful phrase. Let's sing it together. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. Come on. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy hakuna matata amazing you guys have seen the movie obviously <laughs> has anybody not seen the lion king there's one two okay well i'm so sorry for singing songs that uh don't make any sense to you these things stick with us hakuna matata means no worries for those of you who haven't seen the movies uh for the rest of your days it's our problem-free problem -free philosophy. This is a good example of when you take something out of context and you think that that's what it's about. If you watch the movie The Lion King and you just got the song Hakuna Matata, you might think that movie is about living your life with no worries. In fact, The Lion King is about the opposite of that. Hakuna Matata is what Simba uses to ignore his past problems. And he meets Timon and Pumbaa, a warthog and a meerkat in the wilderness. And Pumbaa has done the same thing. As they sing on, we realize that Pumbaa's wounded from his past because he smells bad. And every time he farts, everybody leaves him alone. And so he's carrying this wound from his past. And the way that they overcome their wounds is they just say, Hakuna Matata, no worries. But The Lion King, the movie, actually ends up being about something very different. It's about how you might go off into the wilderness and bury your head in the sand singing Hakuna Matata, but evil will continue to expand unchecked, hurt those you love, and continue to do so unless you can shoulder the responsibility that you have and take your place in the circle of life. So... We are right in the middle of this series about stories, and this morning we're going to talk about facing your nemesis, because let me tell you, we cannot afford to let evil reign unchecked while we sing Hakuna Matata, pretending like everything is fine. Some of you are thinking, I thought that's what The Lion King was about. Go and watch it again. I remember Ben telling me that when he was a little boy, he made up a song of his own. And I'm pretty sure it was a quick song, just a one line. Lion King's the best movie in the world. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> you may or may not admit to that. Oh, that's pretty, it's, a, it's right up there. Okay, so we're going to talk about what makes a nemesis, how to spot a nemesis, how to confront them, and how to make sure you don't become a nemesis. What makes a nemesis? A nemesis is, is not necessarily an evil person. Uh, <clears throat> and at different stages in your life, you might have different nemesis. It's not necessarily nemesis, nemesi. 
What's the plural of nemesis? Nemeses? Nemeses. We're going to go with nemeses. Somebody online can tell me uh, once they Google it whether or not that's accurate. But you might have different, a different nemesis for a different season of your life, different times in your life. Your nemesis is the character that stands in direct opposition to you, to your calling, and they work against you becoming your transformed self. So if the nemesis is the person who works against you, here's what I find fascinating. The Hebrew word, the Satan, which is where we get Satan, is not actually a name. The Satan is a title. It means the adversary or the opposer, the one who opposes. And so in a story, you know, it might, the nemesis might not necessarily be your lifelong enemy. They're just a character who opposes the hero. And so that's the person who is doing the work of the enemy in your life against your calling that you might be transformed into the image of God. In the book, uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, in page 11, Joseph Campbell writes this about uh, tyrants. It says this, The figure of the tyrant monster is known to the mythologies, folk traditions, legends, and even nightmares of the world. Maybe somebody here has nightmares about a nemesis. And his characteristics are everywhere essentially the same. The tyrant monster is the hoarder of the general benefit. He is the monster avid for the greedy rights of my and mine. The havoc wrought by him is described in mythology and fairy tale as being universal throughout his domain. This may be no more than his household, his own tortured psyche, or the lives that he blights with the touch of his friendship and assistance. Or it may amount to the extent of his civilization. The inflated ego of the tyrant is a curse to himself and his world no matter how his affairs may seem to prosper. Self-terrorized, fear-haunted, alert at every hand to meet and battle back the anticipated aggressions of his environment, which are primarily the reflections of the uncontrollable impulses to acquisition within himself, that this is the longest sentence in the history of mankind, the giant of self-achieved independence is the world's messenger of disaster, even though in his mind he may entertain himself with humane intentions. So the, hero, so the tyrant's thinking that he's doing that which is good whilst he's doing that which is evil. Wherever he sets his hand, there is a cry. If not from the housetops, then more miserable within every heart. A cry for the redeeming hero, the carrier of the shining blade, whose blow, whose touch, whose existence will liberate the land. The hero is the man of self-achieved submission. But submission to what? And that precisely is the riddle that today we have to ask ourselves, and that is everywhere the primary virtue and historic deed of the hero to have solved. Who's lost? Let me summarize it for you. The point is this. The nemesis is self-serving. The hero is submitted. Everybody say submitted. Submitted to what? James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Is your life 
the image of a life that's submitted to a higher calling? Or are you building an empire of your, in your own context at which you are the center? If you're at the center of the empire that you're building, you've become the nemesis in your own life. If you've submitted yourself to a higher calling, then you've stepped into the role of the hero. Okay, so once you've seen the nemesis, then they will tell you something about yourself. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, oh, I don't really have a nemesis. Who, who's working against you? Sometimes you might find it's the other half of yourself. Sometimes you might find it's somebody in a position of power or your neighbor down the road who just egging your car or something. Maybe it's the history of trauma that's happened in your family or in your society that has happened from people in ages past who've done evil things. Once you've seen the nemesis, they'll tell you something about yourself. Because the nemesis is not the opposite of the hero. So you won't find yourself looking at somebody who's totally the opposite of you. The nemesis is actually a mirror to you as the hero, and they are the image of what you will become if you do not undergo your transformation. So when we look at stories that we tell, and you look at the hero, and that hero's antagonist, nemesis, villain, bad guy, what you find is that the bad guy is not the opposite, they are the reflection of the hero untransformed. So in Legally Blonde, right, before she's transformed, Elle Woods at the beginning of her story is a sorority queen and she thinks that she'll get what she wants because she's pretty and popular. Who's the nemesis that she encounters? Who's seen Legally Blonde? Oh, that's all right, that's 75%. Callahan, her professor, becomes her nemesis and he's the best defense attorney around. He thinks he's going to win any case because he's great and get whatever he wants because of his reputation. He is a reflection of who she is at the beginning of the story. And she must be transformed in order to defeat her nemesis. In The Lion King, before he's transformed, Simba is a lion who is in line to be king. And he wants to be king so that he can tell everybody what to do. Who's Simba's nemesis? Scar. Who is Scar? Scar is his uncle. He's a lion who's in line to be king. And he wants to be king so that he can wield the power for himself. He's the image of Simba if he does not go undergo his own transformation. So the temptation for the hero is to abandon the good within them and embrace their similarities with the villain. And if they do that, they could crush the villain, but in doing so, become the villain themselves. And so every one of us, as we face opposition, we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to take justice and matters into my own hands, and whatever opposition I face, I'm going to bulldoze those people and just do whatever it takes to crush them. But in crushing them, you may have stopped one villain, but you've birthed another. You yourself have become the villain in your own story. And we cannot afford to just stop the nemesis at any cost. You will awaken that same evil within you. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The person is not the problem. Everybody say, the person is not the problem. Thank you for helping me preach. Every one of us has the temptation inside us to do the work of the enemy. But we've got to ask ourselves, in a story world, how does every hero defeat the nemesis? The hero defeats the nemesis by being transformed from the inside out. At the beginning of the story, the hero, who they are, is not able to defeat the villain. I'm pretty good at dreaming up plans of vengeance. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, that's like a skill that I've acquired over many years. Then <laughs> they become more and more colourful the worse the person gets and the more I become angry with them. And I've got all kinds of dreams of, you know, making, executing elaborate plans of, of revenge. Has, I don't know if any, does anybody, is anybody else with me? You, you go there in your mind, you're like, oh, that would be good. Oh, I could do that. I could, I could really commit to that and make that painful and bad. But that unforgiveness, that vengeful heart, that is like poison to our souls. And that's why if you turn your ear to heaven whilst you're constructing plans of vengeance, the Lord will lead you down the path of forgiveness. He will lead you down the path of love. He will lead you down the path of trust in him to vindicate his people. Where we don't have to turn matters into take matters into our own hands and say, I'm going to be the God of justice. God gives us eyes to see that the person is not the problem. Say, the person is not the problem. Evil cannot be overcome with more evil. Romans 12 verse 9 says, teaches us how to love and what he wants us to do when we're faced with opposition. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What's next? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Who's got somebody who's persecuted them before? The scripture is telling us, bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, 
feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be over. That image is like is so wonderful for the vengeful heart. It's like, I, but but I don't think the point is, ha ha, this is my revenge. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The point is, if we're just doing whatever we can to try and exact our revenge, and it's like, ha ha, would you like something to drink? Thinking this is coals on their head. We still have the poison in our hearts. And I think that God actually wants to bring healing to our hearts so that we can be made whole and focus on that which is good. Because we need to be transformed that we might continue to do good in the world and not repay evil with evil. For that, we need to work out what's happening with the hurt in our own hearts so that we can be of pure heart and focus on the Lord submit to his call on our life and do that which is good not become distracted by doing evil to those who've done evil to us I've got a friend uh, from the film industry and he told me about uh, his experience with one of the CEOs in our, one of our industry bodies and the CEO would not have known who he was but he definitely knew who the CEO was and uh, it just so happened that the CEO was most definitely his nemesis for that, se- uh, that season of his life. And so he found that in his heart, his heart would just boil with anger for this person. And he would just be mulling over and over and over the, the, the most horrible ways that this CEO would behave. And she was, like, in my opinion, also pretty horrible. But... Um, he would find himself brewing on this thing. And then he realized, I need to do what God has called me to do. And so he began to pray blessings over that CEO. And what he found was, as he would pray for her and pray blessings over her, he said, I realized after some time my heart was set free. My heart was set free from anger. It was set free from like, ideas of revenge. And he then stopped needing to think about it. And after his heart was set free, he got on with doing good. And the CEO left that position and has since been replaced by somebody totally, well, which is much better, basically. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to do something together here this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to, to do that which is powerful in your own heart. We're going to pray for your enemies. We're going to pray a blessing over those who persecute you and those who curse you. Don't curse them back. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray a blessing over them. And I'm believing that as we do this, you're going to experience a new freedom for your own heart. You're going to let go of some things that you've been holding on to and you're going to find that forgiveness replaces hurt, that love replaces revenge. And as we do that, you can step into the power that, is, that it is to be the hero who does good in this world. So would you close your eyes and if you feel comfortable, lift your hands to heaven. If you're online, I'd love for you to just think of, the. if you're here as well, think of somebody who has stood in opposition to you and to your life. 
Maybe it comes clearly. Maybe you don't have somebody that comes to mind. And I would encourage you to, well, that's, I mean, if no one comes to mind, that's good. It's probably likely that that will happen in the future as you do things of importance. Let's practice together. As you're thinking of that person, we're going to pray blessing over them. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in your heart to help you come to a new place. Jesus, right now, for every person who has stood in our way, for every person that's represented here this morning, we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would bless them. Father, we pray that everything they put their hands to would be blessed. Their families would be blessed their work would be blessed. Their friendships would be blessed. Their mind life, their thought life, we pray you bless it in Jesus' name. Father, we pray they'd be financially blessed. We pray they'd be blessed with good health. Father, we ask that you would move in their life in a powerful way deliver to them love and joy and peace Father we're not asking for this for anything in return but we Lord we ask that you would acknowledge whatever darkness is in them just as it is in us help us to heal help us to move forward call us on an adventure that we might be transformed. And Lord, we don't speak against the person. We speak against that which runs through every part of our being and every part of our society that wants to tempt us to do that which is evil. Father, we speak against it. We submit ourselves anew to you this morning. We ask that you would show us the way forward. Show us the plans that you have for us, that we might take up that call to adventure. Lord, help us to resist the evil and do that which is good. May you purify our hearts, wash our hands, and cleanse our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name.